Hello and welcome to Radio Omniglot. Simon Ega, you all know, ha mira kerzel adro kerenowak lemon. My name is Simon Ega and I will be talking about Cornish in this podcast. Incidentally, the tune you just heard is a Cornish traditional tune called Anhwested, or the Lark or Skylark. So Cornish is a Celtic language. It belongs to the Brythonic or Brythonic branch of the Inter-Celtic language family. It is closely related to Breton and partially mutually intelligible with Breton and more distantly related to Welsh. Cornish is spoken mainly in Cornwall or Kerino, which is the southwest tip of Great Britain. Cornwall is these days a county of England, although some people would like to see it gain a degree of autonomy and maybe even an assembly like Wales and Northern Ireland, however they are in the minority. In the past, Cornwall has been separate from England. The legendary King Arthur is associated with Cornwall, particularly Tintagel, where he's thought to have been born. He's also associated with Wales, Brittany and other places. Each place likes to claim him as their own. Whether he existed or not, we don't know, but it makes a good story anyway. There were a number of conflicts with the Kingdom of Wessex between the 6th and 9th centuries, and according to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, Cornwall was incorporated into the Kingdom of Wessex in 815 AD, or quarter past eight. Cornish is a descendant of the old Brythonic languages that were spoken in Britain. Nobody knows exactly when they arrived there. But from about the 7th century, it started to develop into a separate language from Welsh. And about the same time, people were migrating to Brittany, people from Wales and Cornwall and other parts of Britain, probably. So their language is related as well. The earliest known written examples of Cornish date from the end of the 9th century. And they were little glosses scribbled in the margins of Latin texts. So the Cornish language between about 800 and 1250 AD is known as Old Cornish, and it survives mainly in place names in eastern Cornwall. The language used between about 1250 and 1550 is known as Medieval or Middle Cornish, and there's quite a lot of literature from this period that survives, including religious plays, poems and sermons. After that, the Cornish is known as Late or Modern Cornish, and there is some written material in this, folk tales, poems, songs, and partial translations of the Bible. Cornish reached a peak in terms of number of speakers in the 13th century with about 39,000, and gradually declined after that. It declined for various reasons, being replaced by English gradually from the east to west in Cornwall. English was used in churches from the 16th century replacing Latin, which caused rebellions in many places, including Cornwall. Many people emigrated from Cornwall to other places, and not everyone who did so continued to speak Cornish. So by about 1750, only people in the far west of Cornwall still spoke Cornish. And by 1800, very few did at all. Now exactly when Cornish died out is a much debated topic. You will probably read in some reference books that the last native speaker of Cornish was Dorothy or Dolly Pentreith, who died in 1777. But she almost certainly wasn't the last native speaker or fluent speaker of Cornish. She was one of the last monoglot speakers of Cornish. She claimed that she spoke nothing but Cornish until she was 20. But there were a number of people, certainly until the end of the 18th century and possibly 
into the 19th century, maybe even into the 20th century, who had some knowledge of Cornish. It's thought that possibly the last person who had some knowledge of traditional Cornish was John Mann, who died in 1914. At the beginning of the 20th century, Henry Jenner, who was a scholar who got interested in Cornish when he saw it in a 14th century manuscript in the British Museum, he decided to go to Cornwall and see what was left of the language. And he went round finding anybody who knew any bits of Cornish and put them together. And in 1904, he published the Handbook of the Cornish Language, which was designed to introduce people to the language, give people a chance to learn the language. He also learned to speak Breton and found many similarities between the two languages. His work was continued by Robert Morton Nance, who reconstructed a version of Cornish he called Unified Cornish, or Kerenoek Unis, which was based on the medieval plays and other material he could find, and Cornish from later periods, and he borrowed words and adapted them from Welsh and Breton as well. He also devised his own spelling system, and in 1929 he published a book called Cornish for All. And a number of people got interested and learnt the language from his book and from Henry Jenner's book. And then in 1967, the Cornish Language Board, Kedas and Taves Kerenoek, was set up to promote the language. And at first, they promoted what was there, Unified Cornish, Kerenoek Unis, and quite a few people got interested in what they were doing. However, later on in the 1980s, people started to notice that this form of Cornish wasn't perfect. It had many inaccuracies and shortcomings. And in 1984, a certain Professor Glanville Price published a book called The Languages of Britain, which severely criticised unified Cornish. And scholars and linguists decided that they couldn't really take Cornish seriously anymore, and they should come up with a better version of Cornish. And at this time, Dr. Ken George devised his own version of Cornish, which he called originally Phonemic Cornish, and later became known as Common Cornish, or Kernoek Hemen. And he based it on the medieval Cornish manuscripts, and he analysed the pronunciation, or how it possibly was, and came up with a very different spelling system. And people who were already interested in the language, well, quite a few of them, weren't, weren't too keen on this new system. But this form of Cornish became the most popular. Also in the 1980s, a number of other people devised their own versions of Cornish based on the late modern Cornish. For example, modern Cornish, or Kernoek Noega, was reconstructed by a group of Cornish enthusiasts, including Richard Gendel, and they set up the Cornish Language Council, Kusel and Tavas Kernoek, to promote this form of Cornish, and to encourage people to study all forms of Cornish. And then again in 1995, Another Celtic scholar, Nicholas Williams, devised a new version of Cornish. You may be thinking now, how many versions of Cornish are there? Well, I've lost count, actually. I think there's at least six or seven by now. And he calls his Cornish Unified Cornish Revised, UCR, or Kerenoek Unis Amendis. And he used information that had not been available to earlier Cornish revivalists to correct the inaccuracies of Unified Cornish and kept to the traditional ways of writing the language, and made a new version of the language, and published a Cornish-English dictionary using this form in 2000. And then in 2008, all the different people involved with promoting Cornish in the Cornish language groups, such as Kedas and Tavas Kerenoek, the Cornish Language Board, Kawethas and Yeth Kerenoek, the Cornish Language Fellowship, Kuzel and Tavas Kerenoek, the Cornish Language Council, and Agan Tavas, our language. 
after much discussion, came up with a standard written form for Cornish, known as Ferd Scrivis Savonek, and this was adopted at the Gorsted Kerno in 2009, and further amended in 2013. Even the standard written form is not entirely standard because it has two versions, one based on the medieval Cornish and one based on late Cornish, which differ somewhat in spelling and pronunciation. And of course, since then, other people have come up with newer versions of Cornish, including Cornish Standard or Standard Cornish, a version of Cornish that was first proposed in 2007 and officially published in 2012. This uses Cornish from the Middle Ages and Late Cornish, and uses traditional spelling, and has two variants, of course. A complete translation of the Bible in Cornish came out in this version in 2012, and also a, a comprehensive grammar, Deski Kerenoek, learned Cornish. And then there is Kerenoek Gwir, true Cornish, or real Cornish, a variant of Cornish, which proponents claim is a continuation of the traditional form of Cornish. They claim that their ancestors continued to speak Cornish into the 20th century, they learnt it from them, and Cornish has never ceased to be spoken within their families. So now there are all these different versions of Cornish, and while there is a standard written form, which is used for official purposes, for example when they put up road signs in Cornish, they use a standard written form, when it's used in schools, but all the different bodies promoting Cornish say, well, for individuals, just use whatever version you like. And this is quite a challenge for learners, because you might find a course in one version, and then you can't find any other courses in the same version. That's happened to me when I learned Cornish on Memorize, for example. I think the first course that I used was in Kerenaic Kevin, Common Cornish, or maybe Standard Written Form. I'm not entirely sure. It didn't actually say. And then when I completed that course, I tried another one, and soon realised it was in a slightly different version of the language, which is rather confusing when you got used to one version, and then having to reconfigure your brain for slightly different spellings and pronunciations of a different version. It certainly doesn't help with the, the revival efforts. The differences between the different versions of Cornish are not huge, they're mainly in spelling and pronunciation, and to a lesser extent in vocabulary and grammar. About 3,000 people speak Cornish, about 2,000 of them speak it fluently, and in the last UK census in 2011, 600 people claim that Cornish was their first language. There are also a couple of parrots and maybe a minor bird or two who can say at least some things in Cornish. People are writing books and poetry and songs in the language. It's been taught in some schools. There are various language groups that get together to speak Cornish in various events, such as Luenda Perrin, which I went to in 2018 in November in Nuiki. That is an event where quite a few people speak Cornish, and I met people who were fluent in the language, who had conversations just naturally in the language, and a number of people who had grown up speaking it, who had been raised in families where the Cornish was the main language. They're quite rare, although not all of them actually still speak the language. They can do if they want to, but they don't generally. In 2010, a bilingual Cornish-English crash was set up, Skol de Sardorn Kernoek, Cornish Saturday School where children learn Cornish through immersion, while their parents also had lessons in the language. I'm not sure if this is still going. BBC Radio Cornwall occasionally broadcasts in Cornish, and there is an online radio station in Cornish called Radio Ngernowegva, which is more like a podcast, in fact. And they also produce a monthly TV show called Mis the Month. TV in Cornish is, of course, Pell Wallock.
which is a clout of television far seeing or something like that. There are a number of films in Cornish and videos on YouTube. If you want to speak Cornish, you have to make a special effort to find people to speak it with, to go to meetups where people speak it, to go to events like the Wind of Helen and such like. I first got interested in Cornish after having learnt Welsh and some Breton and thought it'd be interesting to know how it compares with those languages. I'd heard some at various Celtic events I'd been to, like in the Isle of Man and the Cruniacht, I'd heard people speaking Cornish and thought, oh, I can understand bits of that, so it's quite similar to Welsh in some ways. But then when you get into it, you find actually it's, it's quite different in, in other ways. A lot of the basic vocabulary is similar, but the grammar and structure of the language is more like Breton and kind of Middle Welsh or very formal written Welsh. Many years ago, while on holiday in Cornwall, I bought a book about Cornish place names, which included information about the Cornish language, which I found very interesting, but at the time I didn't make any serious attempt to actually learn the language. Later on, while I was doing my MA in linguistics at Bangor University, I met up a couple of people who spoke Cornish, different versions of Cornish of course, so they would never agree how to say things, but I did learn odd bits from them. And then, in 2016, I decided to try and learn to speak Cornish, and I used Say Something in Cornish, which is a very good course, it gets you started in Cornish. It's, there's only 10 lessons, but it's free. There's also versions for Welsh, Manx, Spanish, Latin, Dutch, and possibly other languages now, and I would certainly recommend it. The basic lessons are free, and then for some languages like Spanish and Welsh, you have to pay for the other lessons. I also learned a bit more Cornish using a memorized course in 2018. And then in November 2018, as I've already mentioned, I went to the Low End of Perrin into Celtic Music and Dance Festival in Newquay in Cornwall, where I met a number of Cornish speakers and had basic conversations in Cornish and was able to understand some of the things they said. Now I think it's time for another piece of music. This is Anculia Calls, or The Mallet, a traditional Cornish tune played by me on the harp. have a little look at the language itself. There are no recordings of native speakers of Cornish, however we do have some idea of how Cornish was pronounced in the past, based on evidence from texts and place names and the work of the linguist Edward Cloyd and others. Edward Cloyd visited Cornwall in 1700 to record the language, and also we can get some idea about how Cornish was pronounced based on how people speak English in Cornwall. The structure of Cornish is very similar to Breton. Verbs usually come first in the sentence, followed by the subject, then the object. For example, Kelsel of V. Kerenowek. I speak Cornish, or literally speaking am I Cornish. The initial letters of words can change, as in other Celtic languages. These are called mutations. There are four different types of mutation in Cornish, although no letters change in all four ways. Some change in three different ways. For example, the B sound can become V in the soft mutation, P 
in the hard mutation and f in the mixed mutation. Or the letter t can become d in soft mutation and th in aspirate mutation, and so on. Nouns have two genders, masculine and feminine. Nouns with more than one syllable ending in ENN are feminine. Forever nouns, you just have to learn the gender. The most common plural endings are OW and YOW, OW, NYAW, and S and YS are also used. For example, DOOR is water, DORO is waters, CHI is house, CHIO, houses, CLASS is class, CLASSES or CLASSO is classes. And then sometimes the internal vowel can change to mark the plural, as in foot and feet and man and men and woman and women in English. So, one chicken, yar, more than one chicken, yer, one horse, marg, more than one horse, merg, one bird, eden, several birds, idin. There is a definite article, it's written a-n, an, but no indefinite article. Feminine nouns with a definite article undergo mutation. For example, mother is mam, but the mother is unvam. Tree is within. And the tree is unwithen. Actually, the um, rules for mutation are quite complex, so I won't go into them in great detail here. Tenses can be formed using the verb to be as an auxiliary or conjugating the main verb. For example, me a well can mean I see, but you could also say gwelav, t-o-l, you see, or gwelid. There aren't many irregular verbs. All question words begin with p, for example, P, P-Y is what or which? P, liver, you henna, what book is that? Pith is what? Pith, you henna, what is this? Pandra means what? Pandra vinta eva, what would you like to drink? Pew is who? who? Pew, you henna, who is that? And then where is play? Which comes from Pile, what place? Play ma the gee, where is your dog? And then, of course, like in, in Welsh, there is no exact word for yes or no, so you use the verb to reply to a question. For example, you, Morwenna Lowen, is Morwenna happy? If she is, you can say you, yes, is. If she isn't, nag you. The basic numbers from 1 to 10 are onan, deu, tri, peswar, pimp, chwech, seith, eith, now, dek. Very similar to the Welsh ones and the Breton ones. Like in other Celtic languages, you have conjugated prepositions. That means when you have a preposition combined with a personal pronoun, you get a special form. For example, with is gans, but with me is genev. With you, genez. With him, ganzo. With her, genzi. And so on. And that form is actually used in place of the verb to have, which doesn't exist. So to say you have something, you say it's with me. And there's interesting constructions like which means I like speaking Cornish, or literally, good is with me speaking Cornish. Most of these examples come from John Page's Cornish Grammar for Beginners, published by Kesvar and Tavas Kerenowek, the Cornish Language Board. I think that'll do for now. I could say more about Cornish, but I won't. I'd certainly like to learn more, and may do in the future. Maybe you'll be inspired to learn some. If you do, chance there. Good luck. If you'd like to find out more about Cornish, you can find notes on this episode and other episodes at omniglot.com slash radio. You can contact me at feedback at omniglot.com. My name is Simon Eger. 
I hope you found this interesting and useful even. If you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that among the facts in this episode, I slipped in a couple that I made up myself. If you spot them, leave a comment on omnigot.com slash radio. I will reveal what they were in the next episode. So all I have to say is thank you for listening, and goodbye. Do you get us?